would I would I be making this decision if this person was a different assistant, right? Would I be making right. this decision? Yep. If you can't even get there, I'm asking you to just ask yourself, am I actually in danger or just am I uncomfortable? Right, yes. And, and then what is stopping me, if I am just uncomfortable, from going over there and saying, hey, Blah 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. Right? What's like, going on? Or can you know, like, can I help you? How about a little service hospitality? How about doing your fucking job, right? Yeah. Like, how about being a human being? Welcome to episode 93 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brewed pint, a fine wine, or whatever happens to be in your glass. You can catch new episodes weekly as the Reverends Shannon Meacham, Ogan Holder, and yours truly, Brian Burkoff, address and engage what's happening through a theological lens, usually with a good brew in hand. And speaking of good brews, one of those good brews might be a glass of wine from our sponsor, Wink Wine Club. That's W-I-N-C. Wink Wine Club features superbly crafted wines delivered right to your door. You can get started at trywink.com slash PTLive for $20 off your first order. There are other savings to be had. And if you want to sample and try three bottles on us, you can do that. All you got to do is pay tax and shipping and you want to win some wine from us leave a voicemail at 980-PT-LIVE-0 or that's a 980-785-4830 shoot us an email info at pubtheology.com you can send questions you can access to clarify things we said you can tell us how much you love the show anything at all we'll enter you for three bottles again just play tax and shipping we will draw one winner per month and if you would like to join us at the Wild Goose Festival, July 12th through 15th, um, you can be present for our live recording of our 100th episode. I am going without a script today because I forgot my computer and I'm on my phone, dear listeners and friends, so I'm making all this up. Wildgoosefestival.org. Uh, what's the code? 25% off Thank with you. the code, all caps, GOOSECAST18. That's right. Yay! There you go. <laughs> and of course, friends, you can also join our conversation on Twitter or Facebook using hashtag PTLive. Well, today, uh, in light of the preponderance of white people calling the police on blacks and other people of color, we'll discuss safety, danger, racism, and implicit bias, and what needs to be done, what uh, religious traditions or spirituality might uh, say about this and how that might help us move toward a better way of being in community together. I already have a show title. Ooh. Ready? Yeah. Dear white people. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> then I'll just shut up. That might be that, that might be trademarked because it's got the Netflix show, but that's right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dear, dear white True people. enough. True <laughs> enough. So, uh, what what are we drinking today, friends? Um, I um, picked this up at our farmers local farmers market. It is mead. 
Wow. 1634 Meadery in Ipswich, Massachusetts. This is a, a spiced, spiced mead. And if you don't know what mead is, it's a wine that's made from uh, fermented honey. And yes. it is probably one of the oldest um, alcoholic beverages, fermented beverages in human existence. They found jars with remnants of fermented honey that date back like 7,000 years BC. So there you go. Mead, meading it up today. Mead. Mead. I am. It is, it is hot here. Like, like the switch happened, you know, winter was here and then it's summer. So yeah. it's like 90 degrees already. So I, I went with a summer, my, one of my favorite summer beers, which is uh, 21st Amendment Brewery, which is Hell or High Watermelon. Yeah. Um, nice. It's a nice, like hot day beer. It is um, crisp. It Perfect. is crisp. And it, and it, like, it's, Yes, it has watermelon in it, but like it sounds weird, but it's delicious. It yeah. Just, yeah. So. Yum. What you got going, Brian? And I am drinking uh, from Shorts Brewing up in northern Michigan. I'm drinking the Space Rock American Pale Ale. And uh, you say Shorts Brewing like Shorts with a T or with an F? No, with a T. It's shorts. a T. Oh, gotcha. Shorts like short brewing. pants. And it, it looks short, like, and short. so this is brewed in northern Michigan. It looks like a guy riding a snowmobile with rockets instead of the sleds on for the snow. And it says, uh, because aliens exist. So there you go. <laughs> I think that's because Michiganders exist. That's a Michigan thing for sure. Opening question. Have you ever felt that your life was in danger? And this could be for any reason, right? This could be, we'll yeah. get into, you know, what we hinted at pre-show, but... Have you ever felt that your life was in danger for any reason? Could be an automobile thing, could be a hiking thing, could be whatever. So when you say life in danger, I'm guessing you're assuming uh, um, like you, you think you're going to die, like your life is on the line, that kind of danger? You, yeah, you, it flashes through your mind that you may be in mortal peril. Ah, that, that did happen to me. There was a defining moment in my life um, when I was hiking a um, hiking. Uh, up a hill in a hey, you got a wild goose. Nice swag. Yeah. Oh, by the way, we should mention. I think we should mention. Um, we're gonna be giving away some stuff at Wild Goose Festival. So if you come to our recording, uh, we're gonna be giving away some swag and and some some local. I think the plan is to give away some local bre- local brews from our respective areas so you have a chance to win some stuff from michigan some stuff from the new england area some stuff from the baltimore maryland area uh local nice Nice. yes so look for that and i'm sorry that i got you off track you said uh you were saying i was saying you were hiking up a hill oh there we go (laughs) (laughs) it was a hill uh, so this was this was like what i uh like to refer to as my john and the whale experience um, uh, we had moved to Kansas city to, uh, with the plan of, um, Jennifer, my late wife going through seminary and then I, uh, doing it after her. And then when she was in ceremony in ceremony seminary, <laughs> how much does that mean you had there? Ogan? This is some strong stuff. <laughs> uh, um, while she was in the seminary and I like 
witnessed her experience, you know, secondhand, I was like, I don't want to touch that anymore. I don't want to go through all of that, you know, transformation and upheaval and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I decided not to do it. But then I ended up going on this hiking trip, um, basically to get away from my life that I wasn't enjoying at the time. And you got to understand, again, for me, camping is like, you know, super eight without Wi-Fi. I don't camp. So the fact that I'm going on this two week, like hiking up the mountain extravaganza, um, you know, was, was crazy. And I didn't, I didn't just develop like altitude sickness. It was like fluid on the lungs. It was, it was, it was bad. It was like, they had to evacuate me like halfway through the trip off the mountain because they were like, yeah, we don't, we don't think you're going to make it unless you get off this mountain Wow! right away. It was, it was kind of nuts. Um, and, and it also in a weird way in some, like the, the worst night of it, I was like just in this like delusional phase and um, it, it really became clear that, you know what, you, you are trying to run away from something that, that you are really being called to stop running. Yeah. Um, so it, 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 again, I, I wasn't clear at first I was in denial about the fact that my life was in danger. Um, but then after a day of like breathing and feeling like, like that bubbly sensation in your lungs, anyone who's ever had fluid on your lungs and realizing, Hey, you know what? Liquid's not supposed to be in my lungs in this way. I was like, you know what? This, uh, yeah, I should maybe get off. I should maybe get off this mountain. Um, but uh, full recovery and, I went to seminary and it all ended well, but uh, that, yeah, I was, I was, I probably the only time I was really concerned for my life. The time I was most scared, not necessarily felt my life was in danger, but most scared was um, years before that I was doing an internship in Rome, Georgia, which is about an hour Northwest of Atlanta. And I decided to go driving through the country one day and um, saw some of those signs from the civil rights era, you know, and word don't let the sun go down on you and stuff like that. Um, so you know, I made a U-turn and went back home. Right. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I'll dump message received. I'm out of yep. here. I'm, I'm not. I, I don't. I don't think anything's gonna happen now because it's like you know the year 1997, 90. It was 98. But the fact that you still have the signs up is a little right. concerning. I was gonna um, say even in 2018, I wouldn't be. Too I was gonna sure say it's gonna happen. <laughs> No, I, I don't have that guarantee. I don't think that guarantee is there. Um, yeah, I mean, my, I, I, I think that I have felt that, like, there's certainly, I'll, I'll say for me, you know, honestly, like, um, walking down an alley, um, going to my car, blah, blah, blah. There are times where I, um, whether or not something real or not was happening, like, in my mind, my mind would get like, wow, Shanna's really dumb. You shouldn't be down a dark alley by yourself right? Like I've had those moments. Um, I almost like my, when my first child in labor was my first child, we, we almost died, but I never had that. Um, I never felt like I, I knew something was wrong and I felt like something was wrong, but I didn't, I was more, I was in another place. Like afterwards they were like, you don't, you don't understand how close you came. Mm. Um, I, my biggest, my, like really the one that I would point to clearly is that um, I got caught in, an undertow on a river um, and I was uh, my my father and uncle were whitewater canoe instructors and so I grew up on all kinds of rivers and um, I was on a church trip with some kids right 
and I did the dumbest thing in the world. Um, some people had flipped their canoe. I jumped out, like swam over to them and put myself between a river and a branch. And I went right under, wow. like just right under. And I, I had that moment where I felt myself going under. I threw my arms up, like grabbed the branch and just like, it, you know, it was one of those adrenaline moments that just mm -hmm. happened. And I pulled myself up and flipped myself onto the other side of the branch very quickly. Um, and it really wasn't until later that I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> yeah. Like that happened. I almost died. Cause like the people that I was helping, they were just like, oh my gosh, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Here's your boat. <laughs> like, and let him go. So. But yeah, I could have, that could have been bad. It could have been really, really bad. Um, and I know, like, I know better. It's, it's, you know, moving water 101. Like you don't right. get, you don't get between the river and anything. Like you get on the other side of it, you know, but anyway. That's why I think that whole saying, when you know better, you do better is like, yeah, that's BS. <laughs> right. Like the problem is, is that I've been in this situation a thousand times. Like I know right. how to do this. I can do this. And man, that undertow just grabbed me. So, you know, I have a healthy respect for water in lots of ways. <laughs> yeah. Brian, have you ever, have you ever, have you ever almost died? <laughs> well, there are a couple things come to mind. One was once after, um, after college, I was working um, for the medical center in Ann Arbor and I was flying to a conference from Ann Arbor to Chicago and, you know, super short flight, but over Lake Michigan and it was at night and there was a ridiculous thunderstorm going on. And so I've been on planes with tur turbulence before, but this was, I had never experienced turbulence like this and it's raining buckets and there's lightning. So it's just like, flat, you know, all right. this bright light just lighting up the night and the plane is shaking and it just felt like this thing is literally out of control and I'm, we might end up in the middle of the lake and all bets are off. Like, wow, it was, it was something else. And when we landed, it was just like the whole plane was just like applause, relief, and let's get off <laughs> thing. Like we are out of here. I'm yeah. frankly surprised more planes don't crash and people die. I mean, when you just think about the whole scenario right. of, of, of what it takes for commercial flight and these planes and the kind of weather they fly in and the stuff. Yeah, the weather. Insane. For sure. And then once I uh, was in um, high school, my uh, sister was old enough to drive. I wasn't yet. And so she was driving us to school and, and we lived near a busy road where it was, you know, more or less people could drive 55, 60, but sometimes drove faster and just two lanes. So, you know, not a divided high speed road, like a road, you know, kind of like a country road that people go fast on. And, uh, and we were running late and she says she looks both way, looked both ways, but I'm not sure she did. Cause she pulled out right in front right. of this white Lincoln continental that was flying, clipped the back of our little Toyota, spun us around like four times. And, you know, if there had been cross traffic, who knows what would have happened, but in the moment you don't know. And, and we spun, you know, yeah. multiple times ended up other side of the road. And like, I just was like, what just happened? Tried to step out of the car and I collapsed because my legs were shaking so bad from just the fear mm -hmm. and the shock. And it was crazy. You know, I, that, oh, there's those yeah. moments where the I've been in a car accident like that. You don't know how it's going to end. And that's a very scary place. Yeah. Yeah. I've been in two bad car accidents and you do have that like, 
I, and again, for me, like it, I wasn't processing at the time, like, right. Like it's oh, your it's body so, just goes into yeah, shock. So and, quick, yep. Yeah. I think you should, I think we should create a, a measurement scale on the danger we were in based on how our body responds. Like, you know, one, you know, two legs shaking, your whole body shaking, you're throwing up, you're passing out. Like, you know, that, yeah. that should be like, that should be like the scale we, we work on. So, you know, you, you, you collapsed cause you had a leg shaking, but I was on that mountain. I remember, I remember full body shakes and puking. So that happened. Yeah. Um, and at one point, the, at one point, the, uh, my legs were, so one of the ways that they, um, or when someone, you know, get starts to get ill, one of the things they always check for is, are you hydrated or not? Like how much water right. have you been drinking? Yeah. And the way they check your hydration is to check your urine. Is it clear and copious? If your urine is clear and copious, you are hydrated. So I remember at one point, you know, the, I, was, I couldn't walk more than a snail space. Most of the group had gone ahead to try and land this camping spot because they knew a storm was coming. And, and this was a supervised uh, hike through an organization, uh, National Outdoor Leadership School, awesome people. So one of their uh, instructors and another camper, they stayed behind with me as I'm crawling along. And the storm is rolling in. We went to we went to unfurl the tent and realized none of us had the tent poles. The tent poles were with the other people, so <laughs> all we had was like the cover, the you know the yeah. the, the tent itself without the pole. And they were like, "All right, we're gonna just like you know we gotta we found the spot on a rock near the edge of like a big cliff thing, and like we're gonna camp here for the night." <laughs> they held me both of them on either side while I'm peeing off this cliff. With a flashlight pointed down to make sure. That oh my god! Wow. And then we all snuggled together under this tent, without wow. tent poles, as the rain that's, beat down on that's us. Quite an intimate story, there, Ogum. Uh, you know, right? <laughs> it was. It was like I almost had my own Brokeback Mountain experience, but <laughs> oh, wow! They, I, they, they pretty much Ooh. saved my life, so I'm okay with that. Right now, there yeah. you go. <laughs> I, I would I would share about the time I was at a Super 8 and there was no Wi-Fi, but I don't want Ogan to pass out. No, let's not do that. <laughs> I got I gotta tell you the, the the thought of the thought of my accommodations for for uh, Wild Goose coming up. Yeah, it's got you nervous the, already. The luxury camping, the glamping experience, a few miles north of town. Yeah, I'm already freaking out. <laughs> so. None of our stories I notice um, include, okay, maybe Ogans include calling 911 or something, but like none of us include stories of where we had to call 911. No. On a person. Right. No. No. Right? No. We, now we, I have, I will say this, like again, when I'm in that dark alley kind of situation, like I have picked up my phone and called someone, like right. Right. my sister or a friend and just been like, just talk to me while I walk to my car, please. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I have done that. And, and again, I'm not, I can't specifically remember a situation where like somebody was there or following me or, you know, in a, in a way that, but there were times where I just felt like, I mean, that has happened where I thought maybe somebody was following me, but I never have been to the point where I was so uncomfortable that I called 911 in that moment. Right? Like, yeah. right. And and, Again. I mean, and and it's funny because that's that's the whole 
that's the whole point or the whole issue around what we're talking about today. People who are not in danger or in this perceived level of discomfort, especially uh, most notably white individuals, calling the police um, right. on somebody who is not endangering them. So, so the you know the the most recent high profile um, case like this was the gentleman in Starbucks, yep. uh, the two black guys in Starbucks who. Uh, the police was called on them because they were just waiting. They want to use the restroom. Person said it's only for customers. And they're like, all right, we'll, we'll just wait till our other friend gets here. I mean, they were there for a freaking business meeting. So and, did they actually talk with the person who called 911 and have this yeah. verbal yeah. engagement? So at first it was like, we want to use the restroom. And they, were, and they were like, it's just for paying customers. And interestingly enough, after this Philadelphia episode, there were other there were other black people who shared stories and videos of being at Starbucks and other coffee houses asking to use the restroom, being told it's for paying customers, and then like a white dude would roll in and ask to use yeah. the restroom. They would go. Goes right, right to the toilet. Exactly. So so clearly and copiously. Exactly. <laughs> or re- reportedly. Um, so yeah, but but then all of a sudden we have all these other stories. We have the yeah. woman who, you know, called the policeman at the college because, you know, a black person was sleeping in the common area and there and the black person was a student. Right. Or, you know, Yeah, that was at Yale, right? Yeah. That was at Yale. And then yeah. the woman who called the the police at, at the park for the people barbecuing. Right. Um, which Well, and even I mean, this was a while ago, but the young like the 15 year old girl who was arrested because they were having like a pool party in the backyard, in their like backyard. Right. Like, and anyway, it just, you know, it's, it, it, there's, I mean, there's literally countless stories of this. They are. The women that got kicked off the wine train because they were too loud. The golf players. The golf players, yes. Please call because they were. I mean, my my thing in this is like, how is the okay? So the cops get a nine one one call for endangerment or noise or like who knows, right? Right. They have to respond. Like, I they've been called into action, right? Right. Like, I think when you get a 911 call, you can't just not respond. Right. You, you have to something. Right. Um, well, it, de- it depends. It depends. I don't know enough about it. But. If the 911 dispatcher feels like it warrants a visit because, you know, the people who call 911 because the drive through got their order wrong at the McDonald's, they don't get a They don't get a <laughs> Fair enough. enough. Okay. The 911. But I think if you ask the question, like, are you in danger? And the person says, yes. Right. Like they're going to send somebody out. So basically, right. right. So in the Philadelphia situation, you know, the woman who, the person, I think it was a woman who was working at the Starbucks. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. These, these people are trespassing and, and, and you need to come get them out basically, even though even though they were just standing around. And my, my, my whole thing about the story that I love, I mean, there's nothing really about the story to love, but, but the response of other white customers who were suddenly like, oh, wait, like this is a real thing. Right. <laughs> not, I know. I'm not just a like... thing that black people were talking about. This is actually happening. These two guys who were just standing here are literally being arrested for yeah. nothing. And, and I mean, there was like a timestamp from the thing, like they walked in mm-hmm. and it was literally two minutes 
yep. until she called the police. Yep. Like they had oh, literally man. been there for two minutes. So you know? Larry, comedian Larry Wilmore, he has a he has a bit called the Negro alarm clock. Have you heard about this? No. <laughs> so the Negro alarm clock is the amount of time it takes between a black person being comfortable and a white person getting alarmed. <laughs> and, you know, he says in, in, in Starbucks, oh. like in a Starbucks, it could be like 20, 30 minutes because, you know, people, people hang out in Starbucks all the time. Right. Or to use the Wi-Fi, the bathroom, you know, so, so that's not a, a big thing, he says. But then there are other cases where it's like a black person shows up and they just are there and feel comfortable and some white person is freaking out and they call the police right away. So that's what he calls it, the Negro alarm clock. It is, yeah. Okay, but like follow me back. So, okay, so I'm, I'm to the point where I say the police are doing their job by responding. I think that, I think that that's okay. That's what they should do. Absolutely. That's what they should do. They should respond to a 911 call that somebody says... Right. I feel endangered. I just, I, yes, I think that that universally it should be true. But then they should um, assess the situation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I think so that's my point. Yeah. Yes. Right. right. So why, when they show up, do they not go to the person? Like I have had to call 911 a few times in my life. Like they come and find me and they talk to me. Right. 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 And so I've, I mean, we all work at churches. I've had to call 911 for something at church for whatever reason. I mean, I call our local, if it's not an emergency, genuinely, like I call the local number, but um, you know, I, they come and they talk to me. They ask me everything that I saw, that I think, that I heard, that I whatever. And then they go and talk to the people, right? So there was one exception to this, which is I was about, I was there on a Saturday and a wedding, I was doing a wedding. So normally our parking lot is empty. Two people pull up. I see them get out. They're in a minivan. I see them get out of the front seat of the minivan. They go back into the back seat of the minivan. Nice. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, literally the brides and groom are going to be here in like a half hour. <laughs> like, So people are about to start showing up. So I was like, I, I have to call the police. Like, mm. You know, why, so why do you, why do you hate love? They might have been just I mean, gone in the minivan. Uh, it might have been done quick. You don't know. Well, so <laughs> the police are right down the street from us, so they get there and they do go to them first right. because I talk directly to the police officer, right. right? Because they know who I am and they know the church and you know whatever. So I talked directly to the police officer. I said, "Hey, here's what's going on." I honestly couldn't give a crap, but we have a wedding and I can't have this going on in the parking lot when my, you know, guests start to show up. Um, and, and the, like, they pull up and go directly to the car because for various yeah. reasons. They had a sense of the scene already. Exactly. And, and anyway, I just, I'm not sure what it is about. And again, they even, they go up to the car they talk to the people, <laughs> right. they, you know, there's a conversation that happens. You can't be doing this here. You, so can I ask you, a question where, what, what was the race and or ethnicity of the people in the car? So they were both white. Okay. Yeah. They were both white. Um, the, so the, the officers. So a black minivan. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't remember the color of the minivan. Um, the officers were both, were both white. Um, 
we have a lot of, we are very close to public transit, um, a station. Right. And um, we're, there's, there's a lot of um, drug and um, acts for drugs that happen. Sure. Um, and the police patrol that area very, a, a lot, right? Context matters. Exactly. So like, this isn't something that is an unusual scene Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Anyway, um, it it just it's one of those things where and 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 this is not me in any way, shape, or form denying like I'm the one that says this. What I'm saying is I watch all of these videos, and where I see I'm sitting there like going, okay, up until this moment, the cop did their job, which is what they're supposed to do. Right. And and so I'm I want to give equal blame to the people that call 911 for feeling uncomfortable. Oh, absolutely. And the cops who don't go and like assess the situation properly. Right. Who right. take, like, um, ask that woman, right? The woman that calls 911, take Starbucks out of it because there's loitering and trespass, like whatever. Like the people that call 911 on a, on a barbecue that's happening, like, why are you uncomfortable at this moment needs to be a question that asks. Yep. And, Did and, you have a confrontation? And to, uh, the, to the defense of the police officers in that situation, they assessed the situation, made no rest, made no, didn't even break up the barbecue. They yes. They said, you know. Go, I think that's a great example of what to do, it, that barbecue. It, it, yeah. Exactly. And, and again, in, in defense of, of our police officers by, you know, and again, we hear all these stories about policemen in the news. And I don't know. Do you guys watch Queer Eye on Netflix? Have you? Yes. Have you seen, oh, my God. It. Do you remember that episode? When, yes. And I when, hated it. With the, Why? Oh, my God. I was Ugh. crying. Brian, are you watching this? I haven't seen it. Queer Eye on episode Netflix. Episode five or three. Three or five. I think it might have been five. Yeah, I think so, too. I think it's five. But anyways, there's a but but there's a discussion be, between this is shot in Atlanta. You know, this is the new uh, version of Query for the Straight Guy that you know showed a few years ago, and and this is um, the black gay guy in the car talking with a white police officer, and and they have this conversation really about this situation in which the police officer. You know, the black guy says, I, I didn't want to come on this assignment. I was very nervous. And it didn't help that at the beginning of the show, you know, spoilers, if you're listening, uh, turn off your turn off your podcast, um, that that the police, uh, the, the police officer's friend who, who recommended them come down, you know, pulled them over earlier, like kind of as the fake joke thing. Yeah, he thought it was funny. Right. He thought it was funny. <laughs> but meanwhile, the black dude in the car is like, you know thinking is this the moment that, that yeah crap in his play? pants right so when he had the conversation with the police officer you know who they were you know assigned to make the makeover the police officer said yes i do watch these videos and scenes he said we had an incident not too long ago where you know undue force was used in an arrest and he said there was no call for that and i don't believe there should have been call for that and, you know, the black guy whose name I don't remember, Camaro or something, I don't know. He, he basically said, you know, that I am so glad to hear, hear you say that. And it's now beginning to foster some healing in me around this whole uh, situation. 
and all of a sudden I'm they're tearing up and I'm tearing up and this is this is like a whole cry fest but you know I'm an emotional place right now so that's a whole other story but um <laughs> but the point is in defense again of the police officers they are told to show up to a situation and they have no information going in really other than the person who's called and often as we can tell that's not reliable information to go on right. but the situation so to go back to your situation Shannon yeah. I'm wondering would the outcome have been different if a the people in the car were black if you were black calling if the police officers were black like what we're realizing now is that there's clearly some kind of inherent racial bias in terms of the people who are making the calls because yeah. You know, why would yeah. you call on somebody who's sleeping in your dorm room or barbecuing somewhere or whatever? Had, or waiting for coffee. Or waiting for coffee. If those were white men waiting for coffee or white people barbecuing in the park, would those 911 calls have been made? I doubt. Okay, right. so, so again, where is that inherent racial bias? Where's the inherent racial bias in the police officers? We, we have a number of recent incidences occurring in Waffle Houses, and I don't think anything good ever happens in a Waffle House. Right. <laughs> but, but I have some great memories in Waffle Houses, by the way. <laughs> uh, uh, not me. They're all scary. Um, you know, these instances of, of, of customers, disgruntled customers, who happen to be black and 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 people working at the restaurant who happen to be white calling the the law on officers who happen to be white show up and they're like instantly arresting and manhandling and yep. physically abusing and, people. And that's the part that either if you don't have and if you don't feel that you have enough information, then get more information, right? right. Exactly. If you like I I really we talk about this all the time in our house. Like we have lost the be ability to nuance. Like yes. we have lost nuance and we have lost benefit of the doubt. Right? Exactly. So if somebody's here's, here's the thing. If somebody if you have a customer that is unhappy in Waffle House, come on, it's because of the food. Right. I mean I, like there's no good food in Waffle House. Why would you expect customers to be happy? People I am a lot telling of you hash browns smothered in cheese at 2 a.m. when you are drunk are delicious see see <laughs> right. you, you, you gotta be a little drunk to go there again the context so i i just came uh there's this event happening locally here called the summit on race and inclusion and um the main keynote speaker uh dr joyce degrew i want to say is her last name but one of the best presentations i've ever heard on race and and history of race in um, in our country. And, and she was going back to these anthropologists in the um, mid 1700s into the 1800s who are, you know, quote unquote, scientifically classifying different races, but of course, no scientific basis whatsoever. Right. And right. descriptions of people who are non-white. It's unbelievable. And they're, they're saying this is, you know, a person of darker skin is shiftless. They're lazy they're not trustworthy you know all these idiotic classifications but that gets put into textbooks and that you know and then it's distributed and then people accept it as fact not to mention we have this whole history of course of of enslavement hundreds of years of that and it's just been enculturated into us that we should be afraid and yeah, it, yeah, it's, you know according to how do, how do you recover from that you know, quickly, you don't. 
according to Kanye, the slavery was a choice. So, oh know. my god! Hey, no, we are not talking about Kanye. I'm not nope. doing it. <laughs> that man is insane. Oh, I, I mean, so I want to go back to Ogan's point though, because you know the cause of all of this is like white people quit calling the cops on black people. Well, yeah, right. Like, just stop it. And to go back to Ogan's point of like, would I have called the cops if the people in the car were black? And like, I don't know to be honest, because one, so there were there were several factors, right, um, going on here. And well, I I never asked if you would have called if they were black. Sure, I, I think you called. I think you're calling. I'm calling because this guy's getting a blowjob in the back of a van. Again, why do you hate love? When uh, my question, my question <laughs> no, but, was, but Chan- was the outcome, would the outcome with a policeman, whatever that outcome was, would have been different. I'm assuming did the policeman arrest these folks or they just asked them to get in the car and go. They told them to leave, right. which is right. what I asked them to do. Right. Right. I'm curious. So, so given given all these stories, I wonder if the outcome would have been the same. I can't help but wonder if the outcome would have been the same if the individuals were black or right. Hispanic or right. you know some other ethnicity or race other than white. And that's a good question. And and Shannon, I think maybe you were going to say, if you knew they were black, would you have actually hesitated to call the police because you know what happens when the police show up? And there are black people involved. Absolutely. And and I and I I I don't know. This was several years ago. But today I certainly would, right? I just I would. I would, would hesitate and, and and do what? You would call the police? I would hesitate. Oh, you would hesitate. Thank you. Okay. Well, I would hesitate to call the police. Yeah. And again, I don't want to sound anti-police. I don't. I right. just I I I don't know if it's the way these people call and they call in some panic that, you know, they've been hurt in some way. Like that's the impression that they get. I don't, I don't know if cops are just like uh, the, the, the adrenaline and rage of answering this kind of call. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. And that's not for me to decide and whatever, but I, I do know that, you know, that, that there certainly is, um, I can't control the, the cop side of their response. What right. I can is to sit there and say, we need to stop being, un- right? So Brian, you're saying like, we're uncomfortable. It's bred in us to be uncomfortable around certain types of people. And that doesn't end easily, except I don't know that it, it's all that hard, right? Like- right. Have a conversation. Well, yeah. And well, I, not only, I mean, just, just like know that, right? Like, well, that's right. You know, I, I had a friend who in Baltimore city, it was a really hot summer day. He had his windows down driving home at night. And this, the kind of the window washer kids that hang around came up and stole his bag out of this, you know, his passenger side seat. And, you know, he got out of his car and this is, this is, uh, there's an article, Ben wrote an article about it. He chased him down you know, the alleyway, blah, blah, blah. They disappeared. And he was like, I'm, he would, he refused to call the cops because of what, because of what might happen to those kids. Yeah. Those 12, 13, 14 year old kids. And, and even though he, you know, he had every right to call the cops on them. And I think there's like, that's the place where like, we all need to do better. But, 
and there are people that yell at him and say, that's not what you should have done. You absolutely should have called the cops. These kids need to blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, but is it worth their life? Right. Like, is his bag worth, worth their life? Because that's actually the risk you're taking by calling the police. Yep. Yep. So I think that's a step, right? You mentioned something um, that I think is very helpful, and that is, you know, having it go through our mind. If you're white and you're thinking, I might call because I'm uncomfortable because there's people of color here, play that scenario through your head. Role play. If these people were white, how would I be responding right now? If I'd respond different, note that and act the way you would if they were white. And then secondly, think about, is it worth it? Like, do your research, learn what's happening in this country when police are involved with people of color and do the, you know, make the calculation. Is this worth calling on knowing what could happen out of this? You know, like we just, we've got to be aware and we can't always like when we call, as we've said, sometimes the police are going to show up because they're doing their job as instructed by, you know, whoever's handling the 911 calls, they're dispatched and they're told to show up. Right. So it's not always their you know, they're doing their job by showing up. Now, can they do a better job once they arrive? Of course, absolutely. But right. our job is, do we need to call them into action when they're not needed? Right. Yeah. I think, and I think he's on a cell phone in his grandma's backyard and he's shot dead because someone called 911. Right. right. I think we should all put, we should all put the, uh, our nearest police station's non-emergency number in our phone. Right. Yes. And, and, um, and call that first. <laughs> right. But I think and again, that's, that's the number I call at church, right? right. The yeah. non-emergency number. But I think we've, we, we, we've come as a collective society, we've come and, and, and I, you know, given our recent experiences, white people more than black people, because now people of color, they don't want to call the cops because right. again, that bias is almost like, um, uh, the assumption of guilt is on them as well, even if they're the ones calling. Right. Um, right. But but this thought of, as you say, we you know use the non-emergency number, but nine one one is for extreme emergencies and somebody grilling in an area <laughs> that's marked for a gas grill and you're in charcoal is really not an emergency. Right. Right. So I think part of it is we've come to this alarmist place with everything that's happening. And I think this is not unrelated to where we are in terms of, you know, our current administration and just the, the rhetoric of alarm that they have perpetuated over the last couple of years, especially in relation to minorities. So I think that sense of alarm has trickled down I mean, it's the one type of trickle down that apparently seems to be working, but it's not the one we want, has trickled down yeah. to a, a point where the everyday person is like, it's a minority. I feel unsafe. I'm calling the authorities as yeah. opposed to let me try and figure out what's happening here. If somebody's pointing a gun at you, regardless of their race, sure, let's call the cops then. Right. You know, but even then, the cops show up and treat people differently when it's, to Brian's point earlier, when it is a minority or an African-American, cops are pulling their guns and shooting. But there have been well, stories where you have white individuals with guns. There was one story, uh, some white dude with a gun was just ranting and raving, and the police spent like hours talking him down. Exactly. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, if that was a black guy, it would not have happened yes. that way. And I somehow I didn't know this, but just heard this uh, recently that um, Dylan Roof, who literally killed uh, nine people, uh, you know, in this black church, the police take him to Burger King because he's hungry. Yep. He's hungry right. in the back of the car. He's, yep. hung- he's freaking yeah. hungry. Yeah. How yep. stupid is that? Whereas if you're black, well, you didn't commit any crime and you're dead. Right. So Tamir, Tamir Rice, how many years ago? Was that 10 years ago? Almost? Oh. You know, the 12-year-old who yeah. was shot, right? Yep. In the 911 call, it's, there's this kid, he's being stupid, and he's waving around a toy gun. Is it said toy gun? In it the is call? said in yeah. the 911 call. In the 911 call. <laughs> and, yeah. like, I just don't. I just don't understand. So, I mean, Ogan, that's to your point, right? Black people right. afraid of calling the police. I mean, there are how many how many articles have I read of a black woman calling the police on, you know, a situation and she ends up getting arrested. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You right. know, yeah. right, that kind of thing. I think the other thing in all of this, so one, I mean, as we talk about, as we need to talk about this to congregations that, Um, at least, you know, in our denomination is majority white. Yeah. I mean, there are countless stories of Jesus about this very same, about feeling uncomfortable about the other, right? Right. Those people of Samaria, like those people of, right? All of that, like, man, that is all over the place in scripture. Um, But the other thing is like, we talk about being an advocate all the time. We talk about what does it mean to love our neighbor and, and like the the white people in Starbucks that stood up and questioned the cops, right? Right. Their life isn't in danger, so why not? Right? Like, w- what in that moment? Like the woman, it was a white woman that recorded that scene in Starbucks, right? Like right. And, that. And, there and, are things you can do in this right. moment. And and at the park uh, with that barbecue. Exactly. Like go, I mean, how many times have I been the one to walk up to the police and say, it's not because they can't speak for themselves, but because I'm not in mortal danger. You know, I mean, you mentioned Jesus and, and alluded to the good Samaritan story. I really wonder at the end of that story, what the crowd response was like, do you think people are like, Ooh, yeah, good point. Let me now go be friendly to the Samaritans or... Uh, I think it was condemning. Right. This Jesus I think it was free. like, I don't know about all that. <laughs> exactly. Right? Like, yeah. I don't know about all that. Well, and the guy couldn't even... Jesus said, who was a neighbor to the injured man? And the guy couldn't even say the word Samaritan. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right? The one who helped him. The one who showed mercy. Yeah. Yes. The one who showed mercy. Like, he couldn't even say, like, you know... That expletive, expletive. Right, <laughs> exactly. Thinking, right? right. But I, 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 I think it all comes down to, again, we, we asked the question about feeling in danger, feeling afraid. You know, when we are afraid, we don't make the best choices. You know, there's a difference between, right. you know, your story, Shannon, when, you know, you were in this situation, you're being sucked under log, and in that moment, your life was on the line and you made... Uh, you 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 almost made an unconscious reflex action 
and, right. and saved yourself. Now, but but the thing is, you know, a black person sleeping on the couch in a common area is not putting your life at risk. Right. So 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 again, we we've we've got this culture really of fear going on, and when we're afraid, we don't make smart choices. So how do we get to that place where we are simply not afraid of each other? Yes. Right. How, you know, how do we transition back uh, away from that? And again, it comes down to, you know, loving your neighbor, knowing your neighbor. Knowing your neighbor. Like, you, know, you know, like we said, being aware that no matter who you are, you will have an implicit bias and therefore question, is this at play here? Yeah. You know, right. and, and, and how can I, you know, would I be acting differently if, if these individuals were of a different ethnic background, of a different color, spoke a different language? Um, what is the narrative that's been implicitly put in my head? And this is what I'm right. running through now instead of what feels right in this situation. Um, and I, I'd be the good Samaritan. Right. And exactly. And I just want to say, even if you can't get there, or even if someone can't get there, I mean, we can all get there. Would I, would I be making this decision if this person was a different ethnicity, right? Would I be making right. this decision? If, yep. if you can't even get there, I'm asking you to just ask yourself, am I actually in danger or just am I uncomfortable? Right. Yes. And, and then what is stopping me if I am just uncomfortable from going over there and saying, Hey, Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. Right? what's like, going on? Or can, what, you know. Like, what stopped the manager, the manager of the store from going over to those two men and saying, are you waiting for someone? Are you planning to buy something? Yeah, can I help you? Can I help you? How about a little service hospitality? How about doing your fucking job, right? Yeah. Like, how about being a human being? Like, you hey, know, our like, special today is such and such. Are you interested? Not... I'm going to call the cops. Well, so that's even the thing. Like, can I use your restroom? I'm sorry, restrooms are only for customers. Well, we'll just wait because we're here for a business meeting, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. what? whatever. I mean, and and again, they probably just walked away and sat down because they're like, screw that lady, right? Like, she's yeah, not exactly. going she's not gonna listen to me anyway I, but yeah just 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 ask yourself are you in danger are you uncomfortable because listen I think our police need to deal a little bit more with the real dangers out there well that's exactly do, do the protecting of the people that actually need some help that's but so, I think this this comes to self-awareness because I think the issue is we don't some people don't know the difference between being in discomfort and being in danger that's right exactly and, and, and that calls for really a, not only just assessing the situation, but assessing your feelings about the situation and where we go from there. And maybe, you know, say a silent prayer before you call the cops. <laughs> if you have to, right? Yeah, exactly. 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 Um, do we want to do a little pass and pour before we Let's do it. Wrap up? Here's, the, here's the headline. <laughs> this might be a whole show of itself. Uh, this headline from Slate. Maybe the pastor who said Hitler was sent by God was not the best choice to speak at the opening of the new U.S. embassy in Jerusalem. <laughs> Holy mother of God. <laughs> I mean, you can... Anyway, it kind of speaks for itself, right? <laughs> it it kind of does. I think you should pour it because it's I a do. current event and, and it, right. yeah. like, it really does highlight so, some of what's wrong right now. So... All right, so this is coming from Slate and some elements from the Washington Post. So yeah. this is actually about two people. So the first one is uh, um, 
uh, Robert Jeffress. He yeah. is one of President Trump's close evangelical advisors. He was he gave the prayer the opening of the new U.S. Embassy in Jerusalem. And by the way, just just the whole um, was disconnect and the paradox of them celebrating this opening while Palestinians are being gunned down is right. just like I mean, if you've not seen the images on the news, and I think it was CNN that. Um, had the most poignant image of they had side by side video feeds of the celebration, the the opening, the celebration, the the you know people uh, taking selfies in front of plaques with Trump's name on it, and then at the same time here's Palestinians being shot. Yep. Um, and and I'm not I'm not here taking a, a a side on the Palestinian Israeli issue. I'm just saying I am it, taking a side. This, I'll take a side. This clearly wasn't right good. Anyways, <laughs> so. Um, so he he was given the opening prayer, and um, in 2010, uh, he so he his sermons are they can be politically charged, and he always talks about the significance of Jerusalem in terms uh, of of the Christian story. And in 2010, he said, and I quote: "God sends God sends good people to hell. Not only do religions like Mormonism, Islam, Judaism." and Hinduism lead people away from God, they lead people to an eternity of separation from God in hell. So he said that, but he was not, he was not the most, uh, what, what, what do you call it? Uh, he, he didn't give the most hot take. There was another guy there. This is San Antonio pastor, John Hagee. Um, and he's the founder of Christians United for Israel. And he is the one who in 19, in the nineties said, um, and I quote, God says in Jeremiah 16, behold, I will bring them, the Jewish people again unto their land. I will give to their fathers and behold, I will send for many fishers and after will I send for many hunters and the hunters, they shall hunt them. That would be the Jews. And God sent a hunter. The hunter is someone who comes with a gun and he forces you. Hitler was a hunter. So he, he said this in the nineties, um, but 10 years later, he tried to clarify and say that he didn't mean to condone the Holocaust or that Hitler, uh, and that he agreed that Hitler was a monster. But these are the two people who are basically part of the U.S. religious delegation yeah. to right. open this embassy in Jerusalem. And I mean, I just hear stuff like this and I'm like, what is, what is wrong with the world? <laughs> yes. I mean, he, so Jeffers uh, said, right. Jews are go Jews who don't follow Jesus are going right. to hell, but I'm going to show up in Jerusalem and, you know, right. pray over the inauguration. Smile and yeah, because Jerusalem matters to the Christians, but not to the Jews, because or the Palestinians who lived there many uh, years before these current craziness, craziness, craziness. Um, let's lighten up a little bit. Uh, the rapper Dr. Dre loses trademark battle. Oh, I loved this. I read this. <laughs> with the gynecologist, Dr. Dre. The gynecologist, Dr. Dre. <laughs> Are we pouring? <laughs> I read the article. <laughs> Shannon, Shannon loves it. Brian is intrigued. We're pretty pour it. So the hip hop icon, Dr. Dre, y'all know who Dr. Dre is. Yeah. Um, he lost a, tr a three year, three years trademark battle wow. with the gynecologist and sexpert called Dr. Dre. Now, the first rapper is D-R-E and the gynecologist spells his name D-R-A-I. So Dr. Dre, the rapper, said, you know what? Um, 
he's a media personality and he, no, the doctor, the gynecologist, the media personality, and people are going to confuse uh, two people, confuse the two of them. Um, Dr. Dre, the rapper, argued he's made a name in the recording industry and with all the, you know, the songs, magazines, books, and all this kind of stuff that he's put out. Um, it would, it is, and I quote, beyond question that the applicant's marks would be viewed by the public as pointing uniquely and, and unmistakably to Dr. Dre, the rapper. And both the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office dismissed the objection, saying, basically, people are going to be smart enough to figure out the difference between the two of you, a rapper and a right. person who speaks on women's health issues. Go ahead, there's Shane. a quote. My favorite part was the quote from in the bottom, I don't know, whatever article I read. It was like the bottom of the thing. Um, Dr. Dr. Dre, uh, the rapper, refused to give any sort of um, comment, right? right. And uh, the TV personality, well, the gynecologist, Dr. Dre, um, he said something like, I'm just still baffled by the fact that I actually went to medical school and, and that anybody would confuse the two of us. Right. He yeah. actually said he found the, the rap lyrics of Dr. Dre, especially when he was with NWA, uh, offensive to women. And he doesn't listen to Dr. Dre. So he, he doesn't really. Uh, so my question, if you guys became rappers, what would be your rap name? Oh, God. Ooh. Think on that. <laughs> Uh, so, we used to have a joke about it. Uh, I don't remember what, like, okay. you know, whatever. The, I do remember um, my ex-husband wanted to be Pilo. There you go. Pilo. <laughs> yeah. I think in the, in the you know, so, uh, uh, Rev Run from Run DMC. I, I would sure. probably, I would just probably go by Rev O. And Rev O. Rev O. My email uh, in college was Bryberg. So I don't know, B. Ryberg or I, I don't, I don't have anything. We'll let you, we'll let you think of that. Um, so uh, I'll give you, we ran out of time. So I'll give you the choice, give you choice, dealer's choice here. Do we want to talk about um, the pet dog raised by the Chinese family that turned out to be a bear or, <laughs> or do we want to talk about the Florida school that brought a live tiger to the prom? Oh, oh wow. Wow, these are Brian. I'll let you choose. These are tough life choices. Lions, tigers, or bears? Oh my! Oh my! I know. I'm, you know what? I I think we'll what? pass on the tiger and we'll pour on the bear. So um, when Suyun, that's her name, brought her family a puppy two years ago, she was surprised by how much the dog ate. <laughs> "Quote: A box of fruits and two buckets of noodles every day." There was, it turns out, a reason the animal eventually grew into a 250-pound black bear. Oh, my God. They realized their error when the pet did not stop growing and showed a talent for walking on two legs. <laughs> oh, my word. And, quote, she said, the more he grew, the more he looked like a bear, and I'm a little scared of bears. <laughs> what? How do you so, confuse wait, wait. Where did she get him? How I'm long so, did it take them to realize I'm, I'm this? I'm so glad you asked. The did family. they give him away or did they keep him? Hold on another. Um, <laughs> did they okay, call 911? The family. Right. <laughs> and then the police arrest the bear because he was black. Because he was fam- black. <laughs> the no, the bear is dead. The bear is shot and the bear is dead. <laughs> 
Hashtag funny, not funny. The family say they brought the an- they bought the animal, believing it to be a Tibetan mastiff. While they were on holiday somewhere in 2016, uh, they contacted the Yunnan Wildlife Rescue Center asking for help. It was identified as an endangered black bear, and the rescue center took it into their custody. If this animal was sold on the black market, pun intended, it would have uh, cost. They would have made thousands and thousands. Of dollars. So what? How long did did they say? How long had they had them? Um, had the bear? No, it did, the article did not say how long. I am so curious how long it took them to realize it was a black bear. That's amazing. Uh, two years. Oh, it's in the headline. Two pet years. Dog, pet dog raised by Chinese family for two years. What? Oh my god! <laughs> like, didn't they have friends over and friends would say, right? "Nice bear you have here." Hey, <laughs> that dog walks on its hind legs and balances a ball on its nose. That's amazing. <laughs> And has a face like a bear. Well, you know what? Listen, hey. hey, Why? My, what big long nose you have and what big teeth you have. Some dogs have long snouts too, you know? I mean, mastiffs are big dogs, right? Exactly. But, but, but is there a picture? Is there like a side-by-side photo of like a baby black bear and a baby I'm, mastiff? I'm sure we could find one, but yeah, we need. To uh, they, I'm gonna have to look that up now. They didn't also, did one. they name the dog Bear? <laughs> yeah, <ask> yes. <laughs> nice one. <laughs> oh, my oh my gosh! God. That's that's. I will leave you with that. I will leave you with that. Like the person <laughs> at the place that they bought it from that identified that thing is just. <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, okay. It was Dr. Dre. exactly it's because somebody mistook dr drape as being the gynecologist and not the rapper oh my goodness wow this is one crazy world we live in people i think we're wrapping up thank you friends for tuning in up theology live please connect and spread the word on social media of course you can listen anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or iTunes. Maybe you're waiting in line at the zoo to see the bears or the mastiffs, and you you know you want to listen to our show. <laughs> Cue us up, and please rate us on iTunes. Let us know what you think about the show, and that'll help other people find our podcast. If you want to watch us, you can do that on YouTube or the New Thought channel. And if you'd like to join a local conversation at your uh, neighborhood bar or brewery, check out the directory at pubtheology.com. And thank you again to our sponsor, Wink Wine Club. That's Wink with a C. We will find at trywink.com slash Live. So until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing. via phone so amazing <laughs> um hey brian. You're like an old man sometimes brian like technology's amazing i know like this worked <laughs> magic well hey listen aren't we not like the last generation that remembers what what the pre-internet world was like like our kids oh yeah no seriously yeah. So we, we're still in the marvel of it. This is still, I mean, we intellectually know the science and technology behind it, but it's still like a marvel. Yeah. Yeah, we're like Generation X. Like, how did they survive before the internet? Exactly. <laughs>